so many things in this world we give ourselves to and they let us down, but you never do. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for loving us with a love that sent your son to die on a cross for us. And as we pray, as we get into this word tonight, Lord, I pray that it won't be me speaking. I pray it'll be you. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a picture up on, uh, that sort of typifies where we are at the moment as a society. I want more. I want more. Everything is I want more. It doesn't matter what we have. We want more. That's why, as a society, we have the highest level of household debt of anywhere in the uh, civilised world, basically. Because it doesn't matter what we have, we want more. If we're in a relationship and it's not quite the way, we want more. If we are from money, whether it be from relationships, whether it be from our work, whatever it is, more, more, more. Give me more. What we're really talking about is fulfilment. And for most of you, you are younger than me. And studies have now shown about your generation that where my generation was consumed with being successful, your generation wants fulfilment. The problem is no one knows what that means. What does it mean to feel fulfilled, to feel like I'm living the life that I'm meant to live, your best life now, whatever that's meant to mean. I'm, living who, I'm being who I'm meant to be. And I think really at the heart, let's get straight down to, to what we're talking about tonight. I think what we're talking about is living life the way God intended us to live life. And so far for the last few weeks as a congregation, you guys have been going through the main themes of each of the four Gospels. And tonight we're on the last one, which is John. And I loved getting into this because it meant I had to really get into John again and ask, what is John about? And the good thing about John is that he tells us why he wrote and he tells us what it's about. It makes it a lot easier than some of the other Gospels. And in John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, John writes this. Jesus performed many other signs in their presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What is it about? What is John about? Life. Real life. The life as God intends it. And one of the most famous verses in all of John is one that you see held up sometimes at sporting events, not so much anymore. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What is John about? What is John wanting us to get? It, it's life. And he even defines what life is, which is, oh, this is a good thing. Sometimes you get to passages of Scripture and you wonder, what does it mean? You've got to get around and it's really obscure. But John spells it out to us. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. What is life as God means it? It's not eternal life in the sense of when you die, you will go to heaven. That is true. If you, are, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, when you die, you will be with him forever in glory. But when John talks about eternal life, it's not something that starts when you die. It starts the moment you become a Christian. The moment the Holy Spirit comes into your life and dwells in your life, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, in that very moment you begin eternal life. And Jesus even describes it as a new birth, a second birth, a whole new life. 
And that is ultimately what God wants for people. When he created the world in the, and there was the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, their punishment was what? Death. The way God created us is for life. But in our world today and in our society today, we see more and more and more things that are stripping people of life. Life the way God intends us to live. And so tonight where we're going to land, you know, out of the whole Gospel of John, I had to pick on one passage that we're going to land on to kind of typify this. And what I've landed on is John chapter 10, verses 10 to 18. And I want to give a caveat here that this is part of a really big conversation that Jesus was having with people. So it's like this is a tiny bit out of a monster part, and you should read the monster because it's awesome. But we're just going to land on these few verses, these nine verses tonight, because it tells us what is the life God wants for us and why Jesus is the one we can depend on to have that life. John chapter 10, verses 10 to 18. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus has come, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. So right away... Jesus sets this picture for us and he paints us as sheep and sheep are not particularly clever. Sheep will follow the loudest noise, basically. And basically what he's saying is when you think about your world and who you're going to follow, sheep follow. Sheep always will follow something. He says you're going to have a thief and if you follow the thief, this is what's going to happen. The thief is only there to uh, kill, steal and destroy. And he sets basically this picture up between if you follow me, it's life. If you follow anything else, kill, steal, destroy. And it's really easy to kind of go, oh yeah, I I get that, thank you Jesus, well said, next. But we need to identify the things in ourselves and in our society that are killing, destroying and stealing. And this afternoon we had a seminar here on uh, understanding your kids and their online world, their, uh, the internet for kids, basically. And for old guys like me, uh, he used words like bots, and I didn't know what a bot was. And so when he said, have you got any questions, I'm the guy, there are plenty of other people in the room that didn't want to put their hands up, but I was the one who did. I didn't understand it, but then he started to go into like the predators that are on the online world. And one of the things he said, which, which has resonated with me, and I haven't been able to get out of my head since this afternoon already, I'll, it just keeps coming back, is... What is one of the tactics these predators online use to get the attention of young girls and young boys? It's by affirming them. I think you look pretty. 
Oh, do you? And we're engaged, we're talking. What is wrong with our society? When a teenage girl has to find affirmation by looking online from strangers. That is toxic. It is a disease in our society. And I get emotional about this because I've got teenage daughters. And it frightens me that they are living in a world now that tells them they are less than what they are. And it is robbing young people of dignity. Every person that has ever been created by Almighty God bears the image of God on them. Genesis talks about it like a stamp from God. And every time I do that, it lowers. And somewhere our society has said to younger people particularly, but not just younger people, to me as well, your value is somehow less than what God says it is. And so now we have this situation where the way we get esteem, the way we get respect for ourselves, the way we understand our own value is by how many likes we have. How many people follow us? How many people will jump to pay attention whenever I say, oh, oh, crisis, crisis, a We're in a society now where the greatest killer of young men is no longer cancer. It's suicide. You know, it would be really easy tonight to just skip over this verse and get to the nice stuff about Jesus. But let's call out what's going on in our society. Let's call it out and call it for what it is. It is satanic. Because scripture says the one who does the stealing, the killing and the destroying is him. And he is plaguing our society, not with poverty, not with uh, lack of um, money like it is overseas. He is plaguing young people today in our society by telling them, you need the attention of others, you need the likes of others to have worth. And friend, I want you to hear me say so very clearly and loudly tonight, that is crap. God loves you. God has said, I love you, and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And this is the message between what the world will give you. You know, if you have, a, if you have the, enough Instagram followers like a Kardashian, whatever that means, that's value, like they've ever done anything to have any followers. I don't know how you get famous for being famous. Like, score a century at Lord's, then I'll follow you. Actually build something, create something, make something, add investment into someone else. Bam, I'm following you. But if you're going to be fo followed simply because you had a bit of plastic surgery and now you think, have and have a look at this, I don't need that in my life. When did we start to put value on that? And Jesus is saying, not just to young ladies, but to guys as well, stop looking for your value in things that will always fail you. Sooner or it may look, it may be good for a time. I used to put my value in being a success in, in the accounting world. And I can say without being egotistical, I was good. I was on the fast track to being a partner and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money, but my ego was in there. 
And it led me to the point where one day I was sitting at a table in an office on a public holiday and Catherine rang me and when I picked up the phone, I saw it was her. I went, yeah, and there was, all I heard was a baby crying because she'd put the phone in the cot with Chloe to show me this is where your life is. You don't know your own daughter. And I don't want that for you guys. Learn from my mistakes. Because what Jesus says is, that's what the world will offer you. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, steal, kill and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. The life of God who says, I love you, I care for you, I will walk with you, I've given you a new identity, I've washed away your past, I've given you a purpose, I've given you assurance, I have called you my child, I've called you my friend, I am with you. That's why Jesus says, this is real life, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. And so we ask ourselves then, well, what is it about Jesus that we can know if everything's going to end up letting me down? What is it about Jesus that means that he won't let me down? And this passage gives us three reasons, and we're going to run through them real quick. The first is, he has perfect motives. John, uh, He writes here, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves him and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Any other, any other one that we're going to follow has another motive sooner or later. But Jesus has the perfect motives of love. So often we, we start to follow someone or something thinking that's going to be the center of my world and this is going to be awesome because it looks like they've got the real motive, but it's not there. And I love how he writes this and you have to excuse me, but I'm going to get a little bit geeky with this because in the Gospel of John, there are two Greek words that are translated life. Okay, so the first word for life is zoe. So if you've got a friend named Zoe, her name is life. Zoe is eternal life, the life of God. But there's another word for life that's used in John, and it's the word suche. Don't say that when you're up close to people. And suche means this life, the life that one day is going to deteriorate and die. And when Jesus talks to the people here, listen to how he says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his suche so the sheep may have zoe. Jesus lays down his life on this earth. He went to a cross to die for us. He laid down his suche so that we can have the life of God, the zoe. The one who had the zoe, the one who had zoe, the life of God from all eternity, comes and gives it to us by laying down his own life. And yet we get caught in the traps and the lies of the devil that tell us that zoe, even though it's already ours, isn't worth chasing after. We should take the suche instead. And by that I mean we, we chase after the affirmation of others and we chase after the, the stuff and the stuff that's going to fade. And Jesus is basically saying to us, if we were understanding real Greek, New, you know, New Testament Greek and could hear the, hear the zoe and the suche, we would hear him saying, why do you chase after the suche when I am or have already given you the zoe and I've given it to you by dying for you? 
C.S. Lewis famously said, it's not because we want too much that we run away from God, it's because that we are settled with too little. Anything of this life will sooner or later pass away. If we put our affirmation and our, and our, our drive and our motives and our, our life in another person, sooner or later that person will die. Even with the best motives and the best intent, people will let us down. I, I knew a pastor once, so I said to him, what's it like when, how disappointed do you get when people let you down? And he said, people don't let me down because I don't have high expectations of them. See, people will sooner or later let us down. But Jesus went to the cross and laid down his suche, his life on this earth, so that we can have eternal life, Zoe. And have it now. The second reason is that he knows us. Verse 14 to 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. Now just hear that for a minute. Father and son have existed for all eternity. There's never been a time when father, son, Holy Spirit didn't exist. They know each other really, really well. And now he says, I know you that well. I know you the way my father and I know each other. And I lay down my life for the sheep. What he's saying to us here, he knows us and yet he still loves us. Which is really good news because so often I love something until I get to know it a bit more and I go, oh, I don't like it so much anymore. My first girlfriend, I broke up with her because I found out after we started going out that she liked new kids on the block and that was like, no way. We're not going there. Jesus knows she likes new kids on the block and still loves her. Which is really good news for us as believers because here's the thing, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, he knows what he's getting. Because there's nothing about you that's going to surprise him. It also means that you will, he will never stop loving you because he already knows you. See, so often we, we stop loving something or someone because we find out something about them. Jesus knows us completely and still loves us. Timothy Keller, one of my favourite authors, he puts it this way. I think we've got this as a meme up, up there. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. If you have some deep, dark secret that no one else knows and you carry it as a burden and a weight, then hear me say this. God already knows about that secret, and he already loves you. There is nothing you can say or do or have done that will separate you from the love of God. He loves you. And in our world where we are being constantly bombarded with conditional love, love that only comes to us if we meet the conditions that they put on, here is God saying, I love you and I know all your junk. I know your sin. I know the mess. And I still sent my son to die for you anyway. And here's the third reason. Verse 17, 
This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. We can trust Jesus because he is powerful enough to do what he says he will do. He is powerful enough to say, I lay down my life. Like with that moment when he died on the cross, John tells us when we read later in John chapter 19 that he breathed his last. He chose the moment of his own death. Can you imagine that? Jesus said, now I die. And at some point in the grave on the third day, Jesus said, now I'm back again. And if he is powerful enough to conquer death and conquer sin and conquer the grave, then he is powerful enough to fulfill every promise he has ever made. And I know for me, as a dad, I make lots of promises to my kids. Sarah's here, she knows some of them. And sometimes with the best of intentions, as much as I want to give that thing that I've promised to give, I simply cannot. And I have to say sorry. I have trouble saying that word sometimes. But if God says he will do it, he will never have to say sorry. Because there is nothing that's going to stop him from doing it. How can we trust that life is in Jesus? Because his motives are pure. He knows us and yet he still loves us. And he is powerful enough to do what he says he will do. Any other shepherd will ultimately let us down. If it is sin, if we are finding ourselves caught in a sin that just keeps on recurring and we keep following it down its path, it will ultimately end in destruction. Sin leads nowhere good. But it may not be sin. It might just be something else that's not in itself bad, but we keep putting it where God should be in our lives. And instead of following the shepherd, we follow that. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's approval online. Maybe it's who knows what it is for you. Whatever it is, it will fail in one of those three ways. Either it really doesn't have the right motives. It will fail you when they find out who you really are. Or it doesn't have the power to do what it says it will do. So then what's our response? Well, our response is to be a sheep. And here's a, I love this photo of the sheep. Next one there, Braden. That's what a sheep does. What does a sheep have to offer the shepherd? Ma. That's it. Hey, sheep, do something for the shepherd. Ma. That's it. What the sheep does is follow the shepherd. And so many of us carry the weight of things in our lives feeling like we've got to be the person, we've got to keep it up, we've got to keep going. Relax. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus knows the future. Jesus knows you. And he loves you. This is so liberating when we finally get it. For years I felt the weight of being a pastor where I just felt like everything was constantly on my shoulders. And I heard a guy preach on this very passage, a guy that I've got a massive man crush on, Francis Chan. 
<laughs> I really do. And he said to this room full of pastors, you all feel the weight of being a pastor. I have to carry it all. Ah. Just follow the shepherd. He loves you. He knows you. He knows where this is going. And he's got you. See, a sheep is never alone. They're always in the flock. And the flock follows the shepherd. And I was trying to think this week, see, it's hard for us because I don't think there's anyone here that maybe, I can't imagine anyone here that's really spent a lot of time being a shepherd. And so it's kind of lost on us, this image of being sheep with the shepherd. But what I found out when I was reading about the shepherds is we often get the picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. You know, everyone, he's dressed really nicely and he's got the halo and the sheep's fluffy and lovely and woolly and it's nice. When the good shepherd went after the, the one sheep from the 99 that went astray, that sheep would not have been woolly and fluffy and clean. It would have been messy and probably bloodied up and muddied. And in those days, a shepherd, if a sheep continually went astray, the shepherd would occasionally, occasionally break their leg because it would heal. But to teach them to stop running away from the flock, to be part of the flock, he would break their leg. That's when he put them on his shoulders. So in that parable, when it talks about Jesus carrying the sheep back on his shoulders, it's not because he just really particularly loved this particular sheep and wanted to have a cuddle. It's probably because he broke that sheep's leg to bring it back to the flock. And what that says to me is the way we listen to the sheep, to the shepherd as sheep here at Forest Lake Baptist is in community. We listen to the shepherd. We help one another when one of the sheep is starting to wander off before the shepherd gets to it and breaks its leg in love. I've needed my leg broken by God occasionally to bring me back. And my mind went back to a friend of ours who, she, she just kept, this is back when we were in our early 20s, and this friend of ours just kept going into some really dodgy relationships, like toxic and she kept doing it, like she kept come doing it. And we'd just been married not long and Catherine was a good friend with her. And what would happen is there was this cycle that every, she'd get into a toxic relationship with someone who she shouldn't have been in a relationship with and about two months later she'd turn up on our couch crying. And then that would help out. Then she'd go and get another relationship. Two months later, come back crying on her couch. And I came home from work one day and I thought, oh, her car's in the driveway, I know what's happening. She's on her couch. And I walked in and there she was. Crying. Oh, I don't know why it keeps happening. And me and my not so loving way said to her, it keeps happening because you keep choosing the wrong guys. She was so upset with me, she jumped up, stormed out of the house and at that stage of my life I wasn't a particularly nice guy. I was like, win, I've got my house back. Which was not how I should have felt. I should have actually cared. Later on, she said to me, you are the only friend I had that showed me that I was the problem. And I did it in a really bad way and I had to say sorry. But one of the problems with social media today is whenever there's a crisis, and I've done it too, 
everyone jumped on to say, oh, there, 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 it's all good. Really listening to the shepherd may mean sometimes that we need to be the friend that says to that person, you're not following Jesus the way you should. That's what real community actually looks like. And whenever we do that hard work, I think it actually shows what true love is. Because I only have the really hard conversations with the people I love. Because if they're hard conversations, they're hard on, hard on the person having them, you don't have them with people you don't care about because whatever. But sometimes, to be sheep who follow the shepherd well, we need to have the hard conversation within the flock to say, you're not following Jesus well. And I would hope that enough of you love me that if you ever saw me doing that, you would have that conversation with me. And I know Johnny would because he has. And I know Tyler would because he has. That's Christian community. The sheep together saying, let's follow the shepherd well because it's only in the shepherd that we have real life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that in Jesus is life and he offers an alternative to the, the counterfeit of the world and help us as a community to do more than just walk with one another, but to continually point each other back to Jesus and to continually listen to the shepherd's voice and to help one another. Thank you that Jesus has pure motives. Thank you that he will never let us down. Thank you that he laid down his life so that we can have real life. Help us to be the sort of community that doesn't just talk about doing life together, but does life in a way that shows genuine love and concern and grace. Because we know the words of Christ that by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, how you love one another. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.